Welcome to Retire Today, the podcast that guides you to and through retirement. I am Molly Nelson, hosting this podcast here with us, Rochelle Smith. She's the producer of the podcast. Anne Marie Morrow is with us today. She's the director of Medicare at Merkel Retirement Planning and Lauren Merkel. He's a certified financial planner, a certified financial fiduciary, and a retirement income certified professional. Are you ready for retirement, but you don't know how to get started? This retirement checklist that we're going to talk about today will help you. We're going to talk about the checklist, tell you how you can get it. But first, guys, are you list makers? Do you guys make a list? Do you follow a list? Tell me about your list habits. Oh, I do. 100%. I have notebook after notebook after notebook with <laughs> list, within list, within list. And do you, are you kind of a checkmark type of a person? You're crossing it off. Tell me about that feeling when you, when you look at that list and you get one of those things accomplished. I've tried to go digital, but I love to just cross it off. It feels like you're very accomplished. At that point, I took a bullet journaling recently, which is all about lists and checklists and whatnot. So yeah, yeah I love them. Yeah, there's something about writing something down still on paper that mm -hmm. that has a different sense of accomplishment to it. You guys make lists? I'm like a list in reverse type person. <laughs> if I do something, then I'll write it done just so I can cross it off. Okay. I, all right. This is a strategy I'm not real familiar with. A list in reverse. Okay. You heard it here first. All the psychologists out there are like, hmm. <laughs> or, or armchair psychologist like myself. List in reverse. Because it's still very satisfying to cross <laughs> something off your list. But otherwise, I just would rather not make a list. Right. But right. when I'm, you know, constructive and getting things done, then heck yeah, I'm going to write that down so I can cross it and off. And are you showing it to someone? Are <laughs> you like, Dustin, look, I, I did like it. I well, now. <laughs> good, good. Yeah, there's going to probably be some calls. But come see that list. Merkel, what about you? Uh, historically, no. But over the last couple of years, uh, yes, I've been getting a lot better at it. And I can tell you it is way more effective. I just reviewed the list in my phone that I have. And I realized that all of my to-dos center around my children. And some of them, I'm like, oh, yeah, I do need to make that appointment. When was he or she supposed to go in? So I've got, like, uh, things I need to do for summer camp for my kids, appointments that I need to make for my children. All of their bikes need to be tuned up. We're, we're approaching springtime. And I'm like, those have been on there for a while. My list, some of the things, I would be kind of embarrassed to tell you how long they've been on the checklist. But if you're approaching retirement, Lauren, that's not a checklist that you want to leave, you know, uncrossed off or unchecked for a long time. A lot of times when we're talking about retirement, we say you get one chance to get it right because there's a lot of decisions that you have to make that are permanent decisions, meaning you can't go back and say, whoops, I made a mistake on that decision. Let's have a redo. There's a lot of decisions that there are no redos. So you want to make sure you get it right. You want to make sure that you're not leaving things off of your checklist. So you want to make sure that you have a complete checklist to make sure everything's getting taken care of the way you want to get it take, taken care of. Let's uh, use an example of Social Security. You have up to 81 different options when it comes to, to electing your Social Security benefits. And after 12 months of electing Social Security, it becomes a permanent decision. So there is not a redo when it comes to Social Security, like many of these other decisions you have to do. So having a retirement checklist at your disposal, not only can make sure that you are tackling all of these initiatives that you have to tackle for your retirement, but then when you see these initiatives, there's the Anna Marie psychological accomplishment <laughs> aspect of it, right? You're checking these things off. You're feeling really good. You're making, uh, you're making some really good headway on these different objectives. Uh, but it also, it gives you confidence because you know, you are hitting all of the different areas that you should be hitting to help you on your way 
to and through retirement. Okay. So let's say you're driving and you're listening. We're going to talk about the checklist, put it in, make it a mental checklist. We've all got like mental checklists, but if you're a person who's like, Ooh, I'd like to get my hands on one of these checklists. <laughs> We've got great news for you. We've got a website. It's Merkel checklist.com M E R K L E checklist.com. You can download it, put it in your device, print it out. If you'd like to print it out, cross it off, check it, highlight it. We're going to talk about it today and we're going to go through the checklist now. So we put this checklist together and Lauren talk a little bit too about why you and the team here at Merkel retirement planning, put the checklist together and, and how it can really help people. We put it together because we get a lot of questions about what are some of the things that we should be considering as we're looking to retire. If we think about the different phases of our lives, we go through a number of them. Uh, but if we want to be broad with these phases, there's really two main investment phases. There's the accumulation phase where you uh, enter the workforce. Maybe you're trying to buy a house. Maybe you're trying to raise a family, pay off the house. You're doing all of these things. But then at some point, you start thinking more seriously about this day when you're not working, and but you still need to have a living. You still need to have money coming in. So that's the pre-retirement phase, and that's what we call the decumulation phase. So in this phase, you're starting to think about things differently than you have ever thought about them before, and you have to make decisions differently than what you've ever had to make before. That's where the, ch the retirement checklist really comes into, into play, where you can look at some of the things that you may be aware of, you might have, have thought of, but then you get introduced to a lot of other topics that maybe you haven't thought of yet because you never really had to. And one of the pieces of feedback that we get all the time is, you know, uh, Lauren, we just didn't know what we didn't know. And that's what part of this uh, reasoning behind the checklist is, is to introduce you to some concepts, some ideas, things that you should be thinking about as you make, uh, make, uh, make it into this next part of your journey. Okay. So number one on our retirement checklist, all centers around assessing, assessing where you're at. Let's go through the checklist, Lauren, and talk about uh, kind of explaining it for people. So let's say they are downloading and they're looking at maybe again, this is the first time they thought about some of these things. I think it's helpful if we kind of go through the boxes and tell people what it means. Yeah, absolutely. So number one is uh, assess. It's assess your investment risk. And this is a big one, especially in the midst of all the market volatility that we are having right now. Uh, people are really surprised about how their portfolio is reacting. And by the way, this is no surprise to us. People are surprised all the time. Every time we go through a downturn in the market, people are surprised by how their portfolio reacts. And what, unfortunately, what we see is that leads people to making poor investment decisions. So the risk assessment is intended to help you identify, here's how much risk you're taking. When we go through a really poor market condition, your portfolio is going to lose 15% or 30%, whatever it is based on how your portfolio is invested. And what that information does for you is it helps you get on the same page as your advisor, if you have an advisor, or if you're managing your own money, you have a true understanding of hey, this is the type of risk that your portfolio has. Here's how your portfolio is built. And so inevitably, when we go through these poor market conditions, there are less surprises. There's always going to be some kind of surprise because there's no program out there. There's no individual out there that has this crystal ball to understand exactly everything that's going to happen. Uh, but the more information you have at your disposal to help through these otherwise tumultuous times is a good thing for you. So understanding here's how your portfolio is going to react. It takes a little bit less of the, uh, takes a little bit more of the sting out of it. And then you can think a little bit more rationally about here's some of the strategies that you can implement when these market conditions do present themselves. Uh, we do know that bad markets happen. 
bad markets have always happened. On average, we go through recessions every five to six years. So over the course of your retirement, you're going to see many poor markets. So it's not something we should be surprised about. We should have strategies in place to take advantage of these market discounts when they do happen. So the risk analysis, uh, one, provides you with more information of here's how your portfolio would react when we go through these poor market conditions to make sure that you are comfortable with how that portfolio re uh, will react. And probably even more importantly is, is if, if you're taking too much risk in your portfolio, uh, then when these bad markets happen, it's going to put a lot of pressure on you uh, and your retirement plan. Uh, a lot of people are fearful. One of the number one concerns that we hear when people start their planning is, do I have enough? Do I have enough money? Am I going to run out of money before I run out of time? And one of the, the easiest ways to run out of money is if your portfolio, if you're in retirement and you're taking income and your portfolio due to market conditions is down 40%, or 50%, that destroys retirements in a hurry. So the risk analysis is important for so many different reasons, but number one is to make sure that whatever happens in the market that we can't control, you do control your portfolio to a large degree, and it's not going to upset what you're trying to accomplish from a retirement planning standpoint. And as we talk about this as a, as a retirement checklist to get you ready for retirement, when should you start going through this process? A year out from retirement, two years, six months? We, we say within 10 years of retiring. So if you're 10 years out from retiring, it's a great opportunity to start providing some of this analysis for, for yourself. So you have an understanding of here's some strategies you can implement now. I mean, the most important commodity that we all have is time and we can't get time back. So if you're a year out from retirement, is it too late? No. If you're already in retirement and you don't have all these things and uh, all these items on the checklist checked off, is it too late? Probably not. But the more time you have to implement these strategies, the better off you're going to be. The next thing on the checklist, definitely one of those things with more time, you can do more and it's tax planning. One of the biggest wealth eroding factors when it comes to retirement planning and your, your retirement income is taxation. And taxation, we're, we're all used to taxes. We've, we've all paid taxes over the course of our careers. And, and by the way, in retirement, you are going to pay taxes as well. But in retirement, you have more control over the level of tax you pay if you want to take that control. In the working years, how do you control the level of tax that you pay? You might be able to make a contribution to a tax-deductible IRA. You may be able to contribute to a 401k plan on a pre-tax nature, nature. So you're saving some money every year on, on taxes with those types of strategies. But really, you're just deferring those taxes to a later point in time. Uh, the other way you can save money on taxes in the working years is to make less money. <laughs> Does anybody want, Does really want to like do that? Idea? No, no. That's not a strategy that most people want to employ. But in retirement, you have more options. If you create what we call tax diversification, where you have different buckets of money that are taxed differently when you withdraw from those buckets of money, now you can employ income strategies, income distribution strategies, where you take some money from this tax-free bucket. You take some money from this tax-favored bucket. You take some money from this, this pre-tax bucket that that you know you're going to pay taxes on at your ordinary income level, but the combination of that income can deliver you with the spendable income that you need to have the active retirement lifestyle that you've dreamt about for so many years. 
but it can also increase your spendable income and decrease your overall tax bill. So the tax plan, the tax analysis is a, is a really powerful analysis that shows you some of the opportunities that you have within your overall plan to increase your spendable income and decrease your retirement tax bill. And one of the kind of bullet points underneath tax strategies is to complete Roth conversions. I think it's a great time to remind people what a Roth conversion, what a Roth conversion is and and why it's so powerful in retirement. The vast majority of pre-retirees and retirees retirement savings is in pre-tax retirement accounts, the pre-tax IRAs, the pre-tax 401k plans. This these are pots of money that that you have not paid taxes on ever. So when you take it out, you're going to have to pay taxes at your ordinary income level. So what a Roth conversion is is you're taking money from those pre-tax buckets, the pre-tax IRA, and you're shifting it over to the Roth IRA. Now, in the year that you shift that money over, you convert the money, you will pay taxes on that conversion. But once it's underneath the Roth, it is free of tax forever. So if you take $20,000 from your pre-tax IRA in the year 2022, and you convert that over to your Roth, you're going to pay taxes on the $20,000 you convert. But once it's in the Roth, it will grow underneath that Roth tax-free forever. You you use it in retirement. You do not pay taxes on it. Whatever money is left underneath that Roth IRA, when you pass away, then your beneficiaries will not pay taxes on that money. It is safe for, from taxation forever. And we talked about having Anne-Marie Morrow, our Medicare director with us. Anne-Marie, We'll come back to Roth conversions because Medicare and Roth conversions, that conversation needs to be had. That's the next. We're coming up on that in our checklist. So I know you're almost ready here. You're, 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 you're ready to go. She's sitting there glaring at me as, a, as, a, as I'm talking about Roth conversions. Yes, she, yes. she so much wants to talk about Yes, that. we will explain why in just moments. But first, one more thing on the Roth conversion, because I'm wondering, is that a, a bit of a hurdle for people, though, paying taxes in the year you make the conversion? Because it feels like that can really uh, obviously increase uh, the amount of income you're taxed on in that year. It's very much a psychological mind shift because for most of us throughout our accumulation years, we have been taught, let's not pay taxes on money now when we can pay taxes on money later. Let's defer, defer, defer. In fact, most of the retirement savings accounts that we've always had access to did just that. The pre-tax IRA, the pre-tax 401k plan, where we're making a, a deal with the IRS saying, you're not going to charge us taxes now, but at some point down the road, you will. And so what we're, we're advocating for, for a lot of people, and by the way, Roth conversions don't make sense for everybody. Uh, so you have to make sure it is a good, effective strategy for you. But if it is, what you're deciding to do is intentionally paying taxes on money that you don't have to right now. In the it, with the hope of paying less tax on it now than what you would down the road. So it is a, a mind shift of we've always been used to deferring, but now we're intentionally saying let's pay taxes on this money when we don't have to with the hopes of paying less taxes overall over the course of your retirement. So Lauren said, Roth conversions aren't for everybody. So you might be w wondering, is a Roth conversion a good strategy for me as I head to and through retirement? Here's a great opportunity to talk about Roth conversions. It is a 15-minute complimentary retirement checkup call. So you get to talk directly to a retirement planner about your situation. 
MerkelRetire.com. That's M-E-R-K-L-E Retire.com. Lauren, you've been having these conversations with people all over the country. Uh, what are some of the common things you're talking about in these 15-minute retirement checkup calls? Yeah, it really doesn't matter where which state you live in in this country. Your concerns are very similar. You want to invest your money in a way that you can accomplish all the things that you're trying to accomplish over the course of your retirement, but yet you don't want to take on so much risk that this uh, this market, these market cycles that we go through, when we go through really poor market cycles, it blows up what you're trying to accomplish from a retirement planning standpoint. Uh, you want to spend more of your hard-earned savings and have less of it go to the IRS. You want to decrease your retirement tax bill. Uh, people, one of the big concerns that, that people have that we talk a lot about on these retirement checkup calls is long-term care. It is a risk that everybody has, and there's a lot of confusion out there about how to mitigate that risk. Do you self-insure? Do you use one of these expensive long-term care contracts that historically uh, a lot of people have used before? Uh, or do you use some of the newer hybrid strategies that, that very few people know about? There's a lot of different ways you can cover that long-term care risk, but it needs to be embedded within your plan. Uh, we talk a little bit about legacy strategies. Uh, trust is a very common question. Do I need a trust? Uh, if you do need a trust, what should that trust look like and how do you use it? Um, so all of these things are things that people have concerns about. And it doesn't matter if you live in Pennsylvania or North Carolina or Iowa or California. It's uh, all items. These are all items that need to be within your plan. You mentioned that long-term care topic. I know something a lot of people are thinking about. Here's a great resource to learn more about uh, what you need to consider when you're looking at long-term care into retirement. It's our YouTube channel, Merkle Retirement Planning. Right there, we've got a segment where we talked about how to pay for healthcare. We go in depth on long-term care. Okay, Rochelle, I feel like this is the time when we add like a drum roll oh, or yeah. a like a, a firework burst or oh, something. Yeah. What, what do you think? Of it? Like something, right? I, I, I definitely agree. Also, Lauren, can we get you a drink? <laughs> Do you need that would be fantastic. <laughs> I would like the fireworks. All that talking. Lauren, you can take a break, but we know that you're not really off the hook because Anne Marie's gonna talk about Medicare because it's part of our checklist. But Medicare and the stuff that Lauren is talking about, they go hand in hand. So the next item, number three on our retirement checklist, is all about Medicare. So people, let's first kind of go big picture. People are getting ready to retire. What are the questions, concerns, pain points they have when it comes to Medicare? There, it's hard to narrow that down to just one question. I mean, first of all is what is it? Why do I need it? And how much is it going to cost me? And what's great about having a comprehensive plan is you don't have to make siloed decisions. You know, all of these strategies and the plan that we're implementing, they all work to support one another to guide the decisions that you need to make. And when you start, you know, 10 years in advance planning for your retirement, that is effective in all capacity, including Medicare, because within Medicare, your costs are based off of what you claimed for income two years previously. So they do a look back and it's called an income related monthly adjustment amount, but let's call a spade a spade. It is another form of taxation. So that plays into the tax strategy that can play into, you know, what are you claiming for income those two years previously? What types of strategies are you implementing to either offset those costs or are we effectively planning in taxes where you might want to or choose to pay that higher cost. So it all works together to support one another when you have that comprehensive plan working 
together. Yeah. And that is kind of the first box on our checklist. Determine my taxable income for the next two years. Determine it, but not only maybe work with your retirement planner. That's where Lauren comes in to see what you can do for those numbers to switch around a little bit. The next box on here is identify Medicare costs. We know they change each year. And sometimes people really get surprised here. Yeah. In fact, Lauren, you might remember this when we sat down with a couple for the first time, they were ready to retire and they actually brought in with them this itemized list of what they expected their net expenses to be in retirement, which we don't see a lot. So if you don't have one of those, (laughs) don't worry, don't worry, (laughs) but they had it all mapped out, you know, what their credit card payment house payments were, and they had on there, their Medicare part B and the base premium amount they listed that they were going to pay is $170 and 10 cents. And I was like, perfect. And then they took a wild guess of what their supplement costs would be. And then we went through everything. Well, then we get to their investment and their tax planning as a part of this visit. And it turned out that their part B for each of them individually was going to be over $500 a month. And that's just for part B. So that's a big surprise. Yeah. And well, and then the first question after that is, well, can we even afford to retire at this point. You know, healthcare, looking at that, that is intimidating. And that goes into my income is not going to be the same as it was two years ago. So what does that look like now with that higher tax? And this is where the, you don't know what you don't know comes into play because this couple, they were extremely detailed and they wanted to know. I mean, they did a ton of research. They had most of this stuff figured out, but this one little thing just slipped through the cracks and it turned out it wasn't such a little thing when we compare 170 a month to over $500 a month a month for each one of them. So uh, that's that's why it's so important to plan ahead and then have a planner on your side so you don't miss some of these little things that could turn into much, much bigger things and surprises. Yeah. Okay, so what happens with a couple? Do they have to keep working or what do they do? So because you, we are facing retirement and this is a life-changing event, you do have the option to file an appeal. And basically what you're showing is that your income has had this change over the past two years, if you've had this life-changing event occur, to where it could possibly lower that premium that you're responsible for. Uh, but again, it's an appeal, so it could go either way. But so then that's I'll, what the government, sorry to interrupt you, you file an appeal with what, the, the government yeah, and you say, send it to Social hey, Security. I've been retired for two years, so my income, or I'm going to be retired the next two years, so my income is going to be a lot different than it was these previous two years? Or what's your argument that you can make that that, that in, in fact is a life-changing of it or not my income reflective of my income. Sure. So the appeal paperwork, it kind of walks you through that. What is your life changing event in this case, retirement? They actually call it work stoppage, uh, the date of your life changing event. And then it will take you through what your income was when you claimed it two years ago and then what you estimate it to be now. And a lot of times it's very helpful if you're able to submit with the appeal, uh, a document showing your retirement date. A lot of times it's on a company letterhead, just stating that this individual's retirement date is such. And that can go a long way to help that appeal go through. But then also keep in mind that every year they're doing this two-year look back. So you're not going to be stuck with this increased premium year after year. So if the appeal does not go through, it might just be a few months or a year and a half until we're out of that two-year look back with that higher income. And the way, Lauren, you can maybe pay less is if you have more control. Again, we're talking about taxable income here. We didn't, we're not saying that all of a sudden this, this, this couple had to drastically cut their lifestyle and move into, you know, uh, 
a one bedroom apartment, if that wasn't what they wanted, it was more like we can control the taxable income once you're in retirement if you've done some of the long-term tax planning. Yeah, if you create some of this tax diversification that we referred to earlier, then you can have more control not only on what you pay for Medicare, but also the tax that you pay on Social Security as well because Social Security doesn't necessarily have to be taxable. That's all based on what your uh, taxable income is. So creating some of this tax diversification, engaging in tax planning, not only can save you on Medicare costs, but also also Social Security tax and also income tax over the course of your retirement as well. So the appeals process, you're well-versed in it, Anne-Marie, because you help people do this every day and you help the families and individuals that we work with do this. But if someone listening is curious, wants to find out more, where do they go? Online, uh, you can find out, you can find the appeal online at ssa.gov or call our office. We can forward it to you. I mean, it's out there. It's out there and easy to get and easy to walk through. It's also really user-friendly and easy to understand as well, which is great. Well, when you say call our office, that reminds me on the retirement checkup call, you can make a Medicare checkup call there too. So it's MerkleRetire.com. You just scroll down a little bit more and then you'll see Anna Marie Morrow's beautiful smiling face and you can schedule a Medicare checkup call. So that might be a good place to start too, if you've got uh, more questions. Number four on our retirement checklist is social security, Lauren. It's kind of like Medicare. It gets it's its own what bullet point on our checklist because it is such a big topic. It's probably because just like Medicare, Social Security is very confusing. There's a lot of laws, a lot of regulations, and these laws and regulations seem to be consistently changing with really a landmark legislative change on Social Security in 2016, which offered even more confusion about the options that you have when it comes time to elect your social security. There used to be this thing called a a file and suspend that went away 2016. There used to be something called file and restrict that went away in 2016, but it only went away for filers. It didn't go away for survivorship benefits. So there's a lot of questions around social security. Social security is a tremendous benefit. In fact, it represents anywhere between 30 to 35% of most retirees, retirement income. And if you add up your monthly benefits that you could receive from Social Security alone over the course of your projected retirement, if you're a married couple, it could equate to over a million dollar portfolio. If you're a single individual, it could be over $500,000 portfolio. So it is a substantial benefit and you want to make sure that you're making the best decisions you can as it relates to Social Security. So with the checklist, we offer a Social Security analysis, which will provide you all 81 different options if you want to, but really the idea is we want to narrow those 81 different options down to a handful of more meaningful options to help you make a better decision or the best decision you can as it relates to Social Security. And some of the tips or helpful things to get you thinking about retirement that we add on this checklist is to log in and check your earnings on ssa.gov. Why would I do that? Well, that's important because we used to get these social security statements every year. You you probably remember sometime around your birthday, about about 30 days out from your birthday, you'd get this this sheet in the mail. I remember it had a green heading on it. It was a white paper, green heading, and it would be your social security statement. And it would list out each one of your reported wage earnings for that particular year. And it's not uncommon that you would find a mistake as far as what was reported for your wages. And that mistake often was a zero. So if you really made 60,000 for the year, you might find a zero, which means social social security is not counting that $60,000 wage into your social security calculation. 
Right, because they count your 35, top 35 they count wage your earning top years. top 35 wage earning years. So if you have a zero instead of 60,000, that's going to decrease what you would receive from a Social Security benefit. So it's important that you get that corrected. And the sooner that you catch that error, the easier it is for you to get corrected. A lot of times what people... Uh, would do is they would ignore the statement. They wouldn't look at it that closely. And then 20 years later, they go to file their Social Security benefits and they look back in 1990 and they see a zero. They said, wait a minute, I was working in 1990. I was doing this. How do you prove that? But you have to then prove it in the easiest way. I made $2 million in 1990. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I think it was somewhere around there. You know, you just like, could, you could come up with a number. Yeah, the, the easiest way is, is to supply W-2 uh, or a tax return. But who keeps Again, their if you tax have returns it, at W-2s yeah. from 20 years ago? And a lot of times, these were before they kept uh, online records. So this is actually paper documents. So check it every year. And and that's what you can do now with SSA.gov. Gov. Go to SSA.gov. You create your online account. And then you can see not only what your project, projected Social Security benefits are for age 62, for your full retirement age. You can see what year your full retirement age is. Uh, you also see what your benefits are if you wait all the way up until age 70. But then you can check your reported wage wages uh, and make sure that they are accurate. If they're not accurate, then again, if you catch it sooner than later, it's relatively easy to easy to fix. Next box on the checklist is to identify any benefit changes. We know they change pretty much every year, Lauren. Yeah, they, they do. Uh, and one of the big changes for 2022 was the cost of living adjustment, which was really refreshing for a lot of people because the cost of living, I mean, there was a period of four years in a row when inflation was really, really low that Social Security recipients didn't receive any increase in their Social Security benefits. So 2022 rolls around and Social Security recipients received a 5.9% increase in their benefits, which we haven't seen that level of increase for over 40 years. So on the surface, people were really happy. And I feel a butt coming on. This is where Anna Marie Marie. enters the conversation because not only did their social security benefits increase, that's a good thing, but for many of them, their Medicare premiums increased as well. Yeah, I'm really uh, glad to hear that it was refreshing for most people (laughs) when they heard that COLA adjustment because they hadn't released what the new Medicare premium was going to be yet for the next year. And as soon as I heard that large increase to COLA, I cringed inside. And sure enough, for Part B premium, it was the largest dollar increase in history. Exactly. Is there no doubt why they released those two numbers separately? Oh, exactly. And they still, they waited a few weeks before they released that new Part B premium after the COLA. So it was just uh, logging in every day and just waiting for it to happen. Right, because, now remind me, you're... Part B, what you pay comes out of your Social Security, or yes. how does that work? Yeah, so if you've already elected Social Security before you've elected Medicare, your Part B premium will automatically deduct from your Social Security benefit. If you have not elected Social Security yet, they will bill you quarterly for your Part B premium. Yeah, so what the what this does in effect from a retirement income planning standpoint is they get this nice big raise on the Social Security side, but then their Medicare expense increases. And let's just use some average numbers out there to give you guys an idea of what we're talking about with this. So from a Social Security standpoint, the average dollar amount increase was right around $52. Uh, Anna-Marie, what was the dollar amount increase uh, with Medicare? $52. Oh, okay. So yeah. let's, yeah. So let's go $52 increase on average. Now 
if you're listening here, your numbers might be a little bit different. That's fine. $52 a month increase, but $32 a month increase Ooh, in your can, Medicare premiums. I can do this math. This math <laughs> so I can do. Differences. $20. <laughs> so $20 a month net. Right. It doesn't it's, sound so it's great not now. Nearly as sexy as the 5.9% number represents. Uh, but all of those number changes need to be built into your plan because it may not seem like a huge difference in that particular year, 2022, but when we extrapolate that out over the course of your entire retirement, maybe 20 years, 30 years, now it can make a much bigger difference. The COLA increase on Social Security is not going to make up for inflation. So you cannot depend upon that COLA increase to overcome the inflation that you will see over the course of your retirement. Uh, in 2022, we're probably going to end up with somewhere between 7 to 10% inflation, which is the highest that we've seen in decades as well. Uh, but over the course of your retirement, it's probably going to uh, average somewhere around the 3%. That's the historical 100-year inflation average. Social Security, on average, is only, the COLA increases is only a little bit under 2.5%. So we have to build in inflation protection within your plan, but it's nice to account for whatever inflationary increases we get with Social Security benefits, but then also take into the increased Medicare costs as well. Yeah, I'm thinking about that $20. It's already gone the first time you fill up your car in the month, right? <laughs> Just right now with the, the gas price increases. Okay, we got one more thing on our retirement checklist. And this one's kind of fun. This is, I'm ready to do this right now, today. Test drive retirement. I'm, I'm ready. Let's do it. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'll test drive it, take some time off, maybe see if I'm ready for retirement. Uh, okay, I've got a few years before I get to test drive retirement. But if you're a few years out from retirement and you want to check some stuff off this list, go ahead and test drive retirement. Let's tell people what it means, Lauren. Well, test driving retirement is a great concept. I mean, if you think about any of the big purchases you make in your life, and most people, when they think about test driving, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? A car, a fancy car. So you, you might spend a lot of money, thousands of dollars, 30000 50000 $100,000 on this vehicle. Most people are going to take a test drive in the vehicle they're going to purchase prior to purchasing it. So it does make sense when we're talking about the, the next 20 to 30 years of your life where you might be spending on your lifestyle cost, 500000 $1.5 million, to test drive retirement to make sure that what you're planning on for retirement is going to work, not only from a cost standpoint, but also from an activity standpoint, a lifestyle standpoint. Uh, things are always changing. Uh, your attitudes are changing. Your hobbies are changing. Your passions are changing. Your energy levels change as you go through the course of retirement. So taking some time and test driving what your expected budget really feels like what it allows you to do from an activity standpoint every month, every year, but then also test driving. What do you want to do when now you have all this time on your hands? You don't have to go to work Monday morning. What are you going to fill your time with to continue to enjoy and get fulfillment out of this next phase of your life? Yeah. So some more kind of uh, specific action steps, create an activity plan. You talked about that. How are you going to fill your time? Figure out your current monthly expenses that can kind of help you what get ready for what you're going to need in retirement and develop a timeline. And I think this is a good time, Lauren, to talk about kind of those three distinct phases of retirement, because as you're thinking about what this is going to be like the next 30 years, I think this can be helpful. Yeah. So now we're just talking about once you retire and once you retire, there's we enter in into retirement, what we call the go-go phase. This is when 
you have a lot of energy. You're really excited about retirement. Now you have all this free time on your hands. You've never really had this time on your hands since you entered the workforce. Uh, but now you also have money. So when you entered the workforce, you had a lot of time. You didn't have a lot of money. <laughs> right. Now you have a lot of time and you have a retirement savings that you can spend to fulfill the activities uh, with the free time that you do have. So that's the go-go years. You're going to spend time probably spending more money on activities and travel and grandkids. Uh, and then you're going to transition into the slow-go years where you have a little bit less energy. You have a little bit less ambition to be traveling around and being as active as you were during the go-go years. And it's probably going to cost you a little little bit less money because you're not as active in different uh, endeavors. And then you're going to uh, transition to the no-go years where basically you're spending money on the things that you have to. You have your fixed expenses, uh, your property taxes, your insurances, and probably healthcare costs. And you're not do spending money on a whole lot of other things outside of that. So you have the go-go years, slow-go years, and no-go years. And when people come to us and we're talking about these three distinct phases of retirement, they're really emphasized or their, their conversation really emphasizes those go-go years because that's the fun part, right? That's what everybody thinks about. That's what we dream about. And they want to make sure they have enough money to have fun and be actively engaged in those go-go years. But then they don't run out of money so they can still afford the things that they have to afford during the no-go years. And that's where some of this balance and the planning can really uh, provide confidence in decisions you have to make. Because if you're spending $100,000 a year during the go-go years, but you're going to run out of money at the age of 78, that's something you want to know during the go-go years so you can account for that and, uh, and adjust the plan. So the activity plan gives you a good sense of here's what you're going to spend your time on. And then it's also going to give you a good sense of how much it's going to cost you throughout the go-go, no-go, and the slow-go years. If you want to download the checklist, it's MerkleChecklist.com. Again, that's M-E-R-K-L-E, checklist.com. If you want to have a conversation with Anna Marie Morrow or Lauren Merkel, it's MerkleRetire.com. Right there, you can schedule your 15-minute complimentary retirement checkup call today. So we just talked about a few of the pieces of retirement. There's a lot more to talk about when it comes to your retirement journey and your retirement vision. We'll continue having those conversations on this podcast. It's Retiring Today, and we thank you for listening. Merkel Retirement Planning is an independent financial services firm helping individuals create retirement strategies using a variety of investments and insurance products to custom suit their goals and objectives. Any information discussed in these shows is for educational purposes only and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice. Investment advisory services are offered through Elite Retirement Planning, LLC. Insurance services are offered through MRP Insurance, LLC. And the next box on the checklist has to do with identifying your benefits. <laughs> Go, Lauren, talk. I'm done. I quit. I quit. Peace out. <laughs> hey. Identify benefits changes for 2022. It's nice that you mess up every yeah. once It really yeah. is, it Molly. It's very reassuring. <laughs> it's so true. It's our basketball game. I can call or something. <laughs> Layup is good. Nice. That's oh, easy. You're so cool. Oh, you're sweet. Um, okay.